Hey everybody, welcome to, uh, no, stop it. Welcome to Views from the Bridge, episode number two, brought to you by uh, the Beautiful Game Network and podcast, uh, BGN.FM on the interwebs and uh, at the BGN.FM on the Twitters. Uh, I'm your host, Evan Malola, joined as always by my lovely friends here, Paul Catrino Jr., Chuck Booth, and Justin Ashcroft. Gentlemen, how are our nights going? As always, this is our second episode. Yeah, wow. but you've been on both episodes. So I I'm guess that's involved. true. I guess that's true. Jeez. I'm good. I'm great. How are you guys? I am still working to gain back that hour that we lost for daylight saving time and yeah, failing pretty miserably. Yeah. How are you feeling? There it is. <laughs> Fuck off, it's so cold! Um, yeah, what's up, man? Is that going to be like your thing? You just crack open a cold one on, on, on mic? Every week? Yes. Okay. 100%. I can work out. That's fine. That's good. Yeah, I think yeah. when we get a Twitter shout out for it, it has to become a signature of the pod, right? Yes. I think. I think that's how that works. Now let, we it could... be, let it be known that the beer choice this week is yeah. Double Nickel Brewery. Shout oh, out to them. Now you went local. <laughs> well, <laughs> if, wait, is that Chad Kroger's looking... Brewery? What's that? Is that Chad Kroger's Brewery? Uh, I believe it is. It's um, right yeah. here in Pensalkin, actually, my hometown. So mm-hmm. Really? Gotta, like, uh, represent. Trying to get those Pensalkin clicks this week, y'all. That's what we're <laughs> for. You know it. And I if guess. you're interested in a sponsorship, please just hit us on the Twitter shit. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk to sponsors. You, you'll be able to find him, given that Pensalkin's greater metropolitan area is like five blocks. That's right. That's yeah. about right. <laughs> Uh, anyway, what, uh, this is a podcast about, uh, Major League Soccer's Philadelphia Union. So I guess we should talk about them. Uh, guys, they played sport in Kansas City, uh, away in, in, uh, in Children's Lamborghini Mercy Health Park or whatever it's called now. <laughs> and <laughs> lost, legitimately won nothing. I will say illegitimately, and what the final score ended up being was in fact two to nothing. Um, other than man pro should really look at trying to do better and encouraging transparency among the referees etc etc is there any initial takeaways from the match maybe something like you know positive for a change I like the pressing from the forwards mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, SKC looked very um, rattled when they tried to play out of the back, as they like to do. Um, there were plenty of times when Fafa Pico and Corey Bird actually either got pressure for Marco Fabian to get the ball and start a good breakaway or started one on their own. Yeah. Uh, I I liked them last week. I liked them more this week. Kai Wagner has been a nice little pickup already, which is exciting. Yeah, I think he's all but proven himself to be a very, very serviceable MLS guy, but definitely worth starting in that position. Yeah. Uh, no, no knocks against Matt Real, but the numbers mm-hmm. kind of speak for themselves. And when you go back and watch the tape, it's it's pretty glaring that he knows what he's doing and he's adapted to the league pretty well, especially in this formation and the way they're supposed to play. Mm-hmm. If only who scored would actually move him from being on the Woodsburg Kickers and to the Philadelphia Union. Wow, fun. Oh, my good Lord. <laughs> who scored? Get on your game. Courtesy of Views from the Bridge podcast. Yeah. it's uh, That could have been a very bad Abbott and Costello routine. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> seriously. Seriously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah. Go for I, it. I really like the first. I mean, the first thirty minutes ish of the game. I oh, thought no. we played well, and I I actually was like, oh, we have a chance this week. Like we we're actually like in this game, and and we're pressing, we're getting chances, we're putting balls in the box. We're like, we have. We have some things that are working. You know, Corey Burke and Pico were getting behind their defense. It was, it was looking mm-hmm. up. It was looking up till that point. I was like, oh man, this is this is good stuff. So, um, the first thirty minutes of the game for me were great. Yeah. Um. We. Uh, oh man, where do we where do we want to start with this? I think. For, <laughs> First thirty minutes were good. I mean, I I, th- I think one of our one of our gripes about last week and that Ray Gaddis just does not look comfortable in this this formation carried over, um, and and Gerso had himself a day, and it's it's one of those things where I I you know it still feels to me like he doesn't know whether or not to come up and press or to drop back, and so he kind of doesn't fully commit to doing either of those, and it hurts you know obviously the team but but ray himself in terms of what he's supposed to do and if if i was jim this week in training i would focus on going okay we'd rather you not drop back but if you do that stay wide because i think part of the problem with him dropping back is that he moves in closer to elliot and that causes you know for the second week in a row like an absolute island of space out on that you know wide area um and every MLS team that you're going to play is going to catch on to that and put their faster of the two wingers that they have or, or however they play out onto that side and really try to take advantage of that space. If any attacking player on an opposing team has even an inkling of pace, yeah. it's game over. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't take much to beat him when mm-hmm. he's stuck in basically limbo as a now-converted wingback. It's... Right. It's really tough to watch, especially because he has experience. Like he has lots. He has of plenty MLS of MLS experience. experience. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was. Uh, it was like watching night and day when you look at the performances of him on one side and Kai Wagner on the other. Yeah, because Johnny Russell is the better player. Johnny Russell has more energy. Yep. You didn't hear a peep out of Johnny Russell unless it he was had, on set plays. And he had a couple of like half chances in open play, I feel like. But yeah, you're I mean, for as dynamic as he usually is or for as much as I feel like people talk about Johnny Russell when I watch other SKC matches, you're right, he he didn't seem to do a whole lot. Maybe he did, I I don't know. But, you know, um and I think, you know, a good bit of that comes down to Wagner was brought in probably played that system um in germany i would imagine which is why you bring him in and then he just you know he fits that that german kind of you know gegenpress sort of style that we that we want to play and you know gaddis has gone from what every iteration of this club's philosophy basically unfortunately yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, really. For better or for worse. Yeah, and I, I think that's part of the the problem. It's not that he's he's a bad player. I think he could fit in in, in other teams and other systems. Mm-hmm. Well, but this, I mean, clearly this isn't this isn't it for him, you know. Um, and that's 
unfortunate in a way, but at the same time, like I think that's a necessary um, stumbling block early on, so that we can bring somebody in. Well, I don't know. That's one of the things that I don't get because Keegan Rosenberry wasn't sold for Ray Gaddis to start. So yeah. why is Ray Gaddis still starting games? Yeah. Yeah. I, the the unfortunate thing for me is I think like to protect Gaddis, you need to have somebody like Sebastian Latou in front of him of like somebody who is going to do the dirty work on that line of, of pressing and then working back and, and doing, doing the dirty work on that line. And right now our system doesn't have that. Our system is playing more centrally. Um, and so he needs to be able to kind of, Gaddis needs to be able to control that line of his own. And he's just not at this point in his career. I'll say that. Cause I think five years ago, six seven years ago coming out of college you know he might he might have been fat, a little bit faster a little bit mm-hmm. younger a little bit sprier he might have been able to do it but like right now at this point in his career i'm not sure he's able to run that line or control that line by himself right. yeah, and I, go for it i would say that's a pretty fair assessment because realistically you can hide gaddis's faults in a four two three one you cannot hide it in a four-four-two diamond where he's expected to be a winger and a right back. Right, right. Yeah. That being said, about our defense, like I, we could stay kind of on our de- our defensive line right now. I think one of the other things that I really liked about this week was I I think it was seventy eightieth minute. The announcers started talking about how. And I'm sorry, it was the SKC announcers because I was watching on ESPN Plus, but which I love. But it was the wrong announcers to be listening to. Sure. Um, <laughs> they they were they just mentioned how uh, Christian Nemeth hadn't really seen mm-hmm. a chance mm-hmm. all day, and yeah. I think like I think Elliot and Trust, I think it speaks to Elliot and Trusty's ability and partnership is that they were able to kind of shut out the center forward all day now yeah. just looking at the stats you look at how all three midfielders had four shots apiece that shows you what the game plan was the game plan was send Gerso out wide have him cross back to the middle and have a trailing runner take a shot um which is what they did all day but like it it also just shows how Nemeth like was completely neutralized by yeah. trusty and um Elliot yeah it, and it also shows how those trailing runners were way more picked up on when yeah. you actually give Harris Madunian in somebody to cover him right. in the form of a Warren Crivall. Right. Who yeah. didn't need to see too much of the ball that game, but he sure did his job for the most part. Yeah. So- I uh I wanted to I wanted to talk about that only because I think it's interesting to see what what'll happen because I think uh is it Montiero? Is that mm-hmm. what we're going with? Um he's not gonna be available until is it this weekend or the following? I, I remember there's some uh, V1 stuff to clear. Yeah, up, there's so some. I, it'll probably be ne- uh, not the Atlanta game. The, but... So the one after. Yeah. Um, I think this is a really interesting. So I love that. I love that loan as a piece of business. Um, mm-hmm. I talked about yeah. it in our in our DM. It's like a four month loan with the option to buy for the union, which I'm sure they'll they'll probably take. Um, and what that does is that leads them right up to the summer window. 
basically. Um, what I think we have until Montiero gets here, and, and I imagine slots in, or it might take another week for him to kind of get acclimated and then slots in. We have a nice little... Uh, position battle or audition for for a substitute spot between like Craval and DJ and like maybe Fontana. Um we definitely saw it this week with obviously like Paul like you said Craval getting the start which I thought like you said was nice because he's a guy that does a lot of dirty work in defense. I remember he used to play some right back back in Toronto. Um and then you know he subs off for for Derek Jones which our prayers have been answered. Um, and I thought that wasn't, you know, for the 12 or 14 or 15 minutes or whatever Derek got with 10 men, I thought he looked fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I like the piece of business and that I like that it's a four month loan. It takes you right up to the summer window. Maybe you can, you know, sign Montiero and then flip somebody to kind of, I don't know, sell down his cost a little bit. Um, and then I like that these kind of two or three games that we have coming up are kind of audition spots for a couple of guys, which I think will, will help drive competition and maybe, you know, turn around some of these results, hopefully. Yeah, f- fingers crossed on that, because this was just a very unfortunate game, because... Part that wasn't, we'll get to, I'm sure. Three, three pe- The three people who had probably the best game for the union, two of them had mistakes that led to goals. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those are, those are you know, nine out of ten when those plays happen, they're not mistakes, you know? Mm. They're, they're basically doing what they're told to do as bodying defensive center backs who are really forced to get these guys off the ball. And, you know, I say trusty made... You can't say a rookie mistake anymore. A a youth mistake yeah. in being far too aggressive in taking down guy in the box for the penalty. And you know, Elliot's simply just trying to do his job. You can't you know, after eighty so minutes of play, you you're not entirely <laughs> uh keen right, right. on who your trailing runners are in the box yes. when you're hoping they're being tracked by your central midfielders and you just kinda of swing a leg out hoping to get a deflection. It's it's unfortunate. All both of the goals were just simply unfortunate, you know. And that's not really a knock on the team, you know. That game could have been a lot more wide open. That when those goals start flowing at Children's Mercy yeah. Field, whatever their weird field is called, Children's Your Chicks You So Thirsty Field. Yes, that's one hundred percent right. I think that's it. You don't come back from those games. And for until Elliot put that ball in his own net, the Union looked in that game. And this is a new formation, new squad. I, Yeah, I don't really have too much bad to say about the team. You know, I feel like it really could come together. But yeah, it, probably not in Atlanta. <laughs> probably not. Well, I mean, well, you know. We saw what a we saw what a certain expansion team did there, um, which was interesting. But uh, one was, shot on that, goal that is stupid. all you need. <laughs> one shot on goal is all you need. That's all you need. <laughs> if it goes in, it counts, right? Um, I do. Do, do we want to talk about? I guess. I mean, we have to talk about it. I guess. Um, jumping in the air, having someone slide underneath you, and then uh, as a result, stomping on them is now a red card in MLS. 
Um, which I, I was thinking about it, and like, you know, in in the in the question of like literally just just the question without any any subtext or anything, is that a dangerous play? Yes, yellow card. I can see a logical, again, without any other context, reason to give a yellow there. Um, but where my problem is, is uh, if we're giving out reds or second yellows for every time this will happen this season, there's going to be a lot of cards given. This is where VAR is stupid. Because oh, yeah. in that situation, it's either a red or nothing. Right. And I understand that it had to be something for that, and it probably should have been a second yellow for him to still be sent off. Yes. But the fact straight that red's a little uh, yeah, the straight red bizarre. and the two game suspension that comes with it yes. is absolutely ridiculous. Yep. Yeah, I would be very surprised if they didn't appeal that by I just it's, like it's so tough to talk about. Uh, right yeah no i mean looking looking at the play that actually happened and i think like there were multiple people who tweeted this and and different people who said it if you're a if you are like if he goes down forward and falls yeah that's a that's a yellow card on the on the skc player like every time because he won the ball and then he falls forward yeah he gets gets like like whatever but Fabian actually makes a really good play there in getting a touch on the ball and then getting out of the way mm-hmm. so he doesn't get his ankle broken. And the only thing that makes me think that the ref looks at that and goes, and that's a red card, is the way he extended his foot down as right. he as he falls down. But, like, his intention in that play, he got a touch on the ball, so he's passing the ball to his teammate that's right in front of him. And then he's trying to get his foot back on the ground so he can make a move toward goal so they can do a quick one-two. And get a chance on goal, and like he's just trying to get back on his feet. Like right. just, I'm like, how is that called a red card in that moment? That mm-hmm. it's if he if if anything else, if any other result in that play happens, you know, Fabian goes down forward, he goes down backwards, he lands butt first on top of Russell or whoever it was. It's probably a yellow card on SKC, but because. <laughs> He like lands with his cleat on the guy's midsection. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, it's a red card, mm-hmm. and I don't, I, I just don't, I don't understand it. I don't understand how you go look at that play and you go, oh yeah, that's what happened. Like, it was very clear the other way, and I, it was amazing listening to the SKC announcers being like, oh, that's a clear and intentional stomp. I'm like, no, no, it's not. <laughs> it's a clear and intentional attempt to land. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like- Exactly. I would like to bring on the personification of gravity to consult yeah. on this. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Um, he's going to go ahead and say that the body's natural reaction is to land on your feet right, and right. not hurt your spine right. and not hurt your head. Yeah. And for the people, I, I tweeted about it far too much. And I, I, for some reason, was eaten alive by a good, not even neutral, but union fans who were going that's a stomp, he's a dirty player. Like, absolutely not. Mm. I, I I will go to the grave saying that Marco Fabian was trying not to get hurt like, I, on that play. That's funny to me just because he's two weeks into a new league with a new team. I, 
if if he develops that much animosity towards a team or a player or whatever like that quick, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah like, for sure. Like, I, they should be praising this man if he's that gritty towards these teams. Wait, <laughs> oh. wait. Oh, did you say? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. what was interesting to me then is when we get when SKC has a handball that again is another decision that you're like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> they're they're the announcer's response to that was, well, if that happens at the other end of the field, you would want that called, and I'm like. <laughs> Okay, yeah. but what about our red card? Like, right. would you want that called at the other end of the field if that right. happens to your player? I don't think so. So I don't. I don't know. It's crazy to me. Yeah. Um. Hey, speaking of uh, suspensions, we now have two games without Marco Fabian. Yep. Who? Um, <laughs> yep. I mean, unless I guess unless the the appeal gets overturned, but as of Monday night, uh, that obviously hasn't happened yet because i'm sure they just put in the paperwork for today so uh assuming that gets upheld and and all that fun stuff uh we have two games without marco fabian like i said who slots in there or who would you like to see slot in there at the uh at the top of the diamond those are going to be two very different answers that's fair Uh, for 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 what it's worth after the atlanta game it is in fact columbus if that changes anything I mean, I just throw Aronson to the Wolves and see what happens. Um, but it's probably, and it probably is the right decision to put Fontana either at the tip of the diamond or move Bedoya up there and put Fontana in Bedoya's position. I like the second option better. I don't like either because I don't like either of them as a 10. Um, I well, so Aronson's actually a ten. Fontana's I, like a converted eight, basically. So oh, I I thought you meant the second option of moving Bedoya into the ten and putting Fontana in Bedoya's I, spot. I I so I don't like that one because you're moving Ali up to the ten, but I like that one for like you know protecting your youth a little better because that's a position that Fontana would excel at. What I what I think is going to happen is that you'll see <laughs> oh, going to move up to the 10, and they're going to put Creval or Jonesy in that spot, uh, basically that they were in last last uh, you know last weekend. I actually I don't I don't mind that actually. Um, I like as a as a long term solution. No, as Fabian is suspended for two games, here's right. what we need to do. Right. I actually don't mind Elsinio at the ten. I think he's not your traditional ten, but he does have some playmaking abilities that I think he can potentially spring. Um, you know, Pico Burke Santos. He can he can start springing some of those guys um, on some runs behind the defense, like they were trying for the first thirty minutes of the game this week. I think he can do that. Um, but like I said, I mean, uh, I would really struggle if it's not Aronson, at least for one of the two games. I don't, I don't, it doesn't have to be both, but I think you got to try it at least one game. I got something for you, boys. <laughs> Steve Austin? Change the formation. Uh, Here we go. To, okay, two to what? 5-3-2. <laughs> go three center backs. Um, Wagner on the left. Uh huh. Put David Akam at the right wing back. So, uh, let me play, uh, Here we so go. 
What are you doing with the fact that Mark McKenzie's still injured? Yeah. Uh, Colin. Where's your depth if anything were to happen? Uh, none. No balls to the wall. I, I mean, I this think is why you're going up against Atlanta. Up <laughs> I mean, talk to 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 argue that. I mean, I think if anything happens during the game, you immediately just shift back to a four, a back four. You know, like if you were to do this, you could go Akam on the right, you go Wagner on the left, you put. Colin on the field. If anything happens, you just go back to a back four, you know, and like you just shift it back. Um, it's wrong with a then, flat four four two. If I was well. going to shift yeah. formation, I'd probably go to a four three three right now. Yeah, me too. Okay. Me too. Actually, I would love. I would love to see that. I would. Lo- I would honestly love to see a four three three, um, and just like get Santos, Burke, and Pico all on the field. Or calm, you know, however you want to play that. Yeah, that would uh, be fun. And just go after the game. I mean, I and think. This is probably when guys, we need I to reel I, it in uh, and talk I about. Um, timed out there. Oh, you're fine. Um, but this is probably when we need to reel it in and talk about the elephant in the room that is Jim Curtin, who wouldn't consider either of those things. Yeah, exactly. You're right. uh, yeah. But it's fun, to, it's fun to imagine them, right? Like, I think it'd be really cool if, if for the home game against Columbus we play a 4-3-3 and just counterattack to hell and see what happens. <laughs> the amount of words that I've written on formation shifts that have been for not. All of them? <laughs> All of them. All of them. Uh, I'm just trying to think if there's anybody. Wait, Paul, why would you use a comm instead of, like, Real or someone that actually plays... You know, defense. Not like, not like actually like knows how to play defense, but like actually is a defensive player. Well, I'm totally fine with using Imbizo, but I was just kind of feeling salty and saying, "Damn it, come speed down the line in general." Because let's face it, Austin or I'm sorry, Jack Elliott has basically been picking up the slack for the right back position right. for the first two games in general. Why not give him some help down the side with a speedy guy like a com? I mean, mm-hmm. at least he can get back quick enough to kind of give some help. I mean, you know, obviously I would prefer that they actually use the guy that they were claiming to be the replacement for Keegan Rosenberry when we traded him. But, you know, yeah, you're right. I, in, in a realistic formation, I or in a realistic answer, I would say keep the formation the same. And maybe try Aronson's hand at it. But yeah. it's going to be a tough couple games for him to uh, get thrown Get up into. to speed, yeah. Is this the next worst start to the season than um, FC Cincinnati? <sighs> Probably. Probably, yeah, I would think. I mean, it, it's not. A, um, oh, and and uh, to be fair, I did want to calm everyone's nerves a little bit and say that uh, Christian Nemeth and uh, Botoned Baroth were both named to uh, to the Hungarian national team this morning. So, uh. I mean, at least you lost to two Hungarian nationals. Even Glad yeah. Philly could make them look that good. Yeah, yeah. Be in like. The past, like, two and a half years, Nemeth has scored, like, four goals. I guess that's true. I I don't know how true that is. 
Um, he was. I'm. I don't have the statistics in front of me, but he had one good year with New England. One year where he was completely exiled, and then oh my god, traded. you're actually not wrong. That's exciting. Uh, <laughs> and well, okay, so you are wrong. So the one good year that he had was in 2015 with Sporting Kansas City, where he bagged 10 goals. Uh, then like left, and then came back to the Revs, where he got one, and then in 2018 got nothing with them in 15 games, and then got one with Kansas City in nine, and now this year he has one goal in uh, in two games. So I'm close. You're you're not as far off as I initially thought you were. He's had a weird career. He has. He very much <laughs> has. Very, very, very. Uh, was in the Qatari League for a while, which I I'm curious about. I'm sure that's a, a just a pillar of soccer. Let me tell you. <laughs> we're we're um, really helping out with MLS trivia tonight. Thank you. Yeah. Anytime. Anytime anyone needs just some really off the wall MLS trivia. Yeah. You know, like, uh, like I don't know, the dog from Air Bud and Full House are the same dog. That's a really good piece of MLS trivia. Um, yeah. Uh, I, uh, there was a soccer game that happened. Yeah, we there was. We should maybe talk about that soccer game a little bit more. Um, I, I think only to give about the uh, the Golden Conceição. Oh, can, yeah. Can, yeah, yeah. Yeah. R- really quickly though, if you want to see like you know Matt Real and Casper and and a couple other guys that are like on first team contracts or like close to it, win a soccer game. Bethlehem Steel did beat Birmingham Legion two nothing. On a, and on they night. did it with style. Yeah, that uh that tweet by Ben Wright, who actually uh, is a friend of of the other podcast about the USL show. Um, one of the guys down in Nashville. Uh tweeted out and boy howdy that that passage of play in the 75th minute is pretty it is very pretty um but yeah no a good win for the usl side i I like uh the this organization does a very good job with dealing with that and making that all work to Mm -hmm. their benefit i think with an organization that really does pride itself on hyping up the youth of this team and kind of priding themselves on being an academy-based organization that wants to build future U.S. stars here, you you need to pay attention to the Bethlehem Steel. You really do because sure. it's basically showing you the future prospects that are going to move this organization forward and potentially bring in good revenue for the first team mm-hmm. if they're able to excel at a very young age. And not to mention, all their home games are in the same stadium. So why don't you hey, just show up a few know. extra hours early? Yay! And I mean, you know, even in even in in the elevens that we've seen, like Jack Elliott was a Bethlehem guy. Austin Trusty obviously was a Bethlehem guy. Corey Burke was there. Like in the bench, Aronson and Bizo, Derek. Like it. It's not like these are guys that come up and then like disappear. You know, like they come up and they make impacts. Like Mark McKenzie's another one. So it's. You know, it's not just, oh, come and see these guys develop in the pro players and then we ship them off. It's like, come and watch these guys develop in the pro players and then they put time in and, with the union and, and then maybe down the line we'll ship them off. Who knows? But um, there's actually like tangible guys that you can watch come up through the system. And I think that's really fascinating. Absolutely. Uh, hey guys, Golden can say South time. We did a poll, uh, people voted. Spoiler alert! It, well, okay, Paul, you made it. So who? It was there was uh, 
there was Ray Gaddis, there was Jim Curtin, and there was uh, your head official, Chris Penso. And in Philly fashion, blame the refs. Chris blame Pence. the refs. Fact, uh, an overwhelming 49% of the vote Thanks. to Mr. Chris Penso for so, uh, the Golden Coat. Chris, if you're out there, you can come around and collect your gold and say so. Now, would that be... Would that be like a trophy of him on the bench? Like, what would the actual face out? He has one appearance behind you. It should be Anderson Consell slipping on a banana peel. It should be him, like, at a Fogo to chat. <laughs> Just randomly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah. And, like, a and like a gift card to Fogo to chow. I like that a lot. There you go. Uh, Spencer, come get your gift card to Fogo de Chao and your uh, your statue of Anderson. Actually, it's a dinner with Anderson Conceição at Fogo. I like that. You get dinner with Anderson Conceição at Fogo de Chao, and you can only ask him about it with the Philadelphia Union, which will not be a very long conversation. It'll be great. That, that sounds like a fever dream I have, like every week. This every oh week, you dream about Anderson Conceição back in this team. It's really bad. Great. <laughs> okay. Okay, we're moving on. Yeah. Let's, uh, <laughs> on. Um, I guess we'll go around the horn and, and and I I don't know like what are you guys what are we looking forward to out of the Atlanta match? <laughs> well, wait, I I have a yeah. different Golden Conceição. Okay. Just because I don't I don't want to give them all to the refs because the things that the two weeks of MLS have shown us so far is is all of the referees are bad. Yeah. All of them. So we'd end up giving out half of our golden conseils just to pro. That's right. Um, I think our chief leader this week has to unfortunately be Jim Curtin. Um, just because of the fact that he saw Ray Gaddis get torched one week, he knew he knew what was going to happen putting him against a front three with speed, and he still leaves Mabizo on the bench. Yeah. And, like, if there's something going on there, at least say, like, oh, he didn't play because of X. But, it's a communication issue. Like we, you know, we still don't think that, that there's a there's a enough of an understanding between him and Jack that that we feel comfortable playing them next to each other or something. There's no know. understanding between Gaddis and Jack. So That's I, I was going to the language barrier kind of thing. Like yeah, I'm sure right. Jack, yeah. uh, I'm from England, Elliot, and Olivier Mbizo, who is from Cameroon, so he but speaks French. That's Prussian, the funny sure thing is Jack Elliot being from England has been. Raised in a soccer culture where you play with people who speak a bunch of different languages. Mm. I think if you give them enough time together, they can figure out a couple hand signals to say, get the hell back in your position. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's fair. We're not necessarily dealing with rocket science here. It's it's a game that they both love and have grown up with. They could probably figure it out. And when you're giving these young players the minutes like that, who is Jim Curtin to say... Oh no, this this guy's simply not ready because of this reason. There is no transparency with Jim Curtin in anything he tactics. ever answers yeah. when it comes yeah. to tactics. You know, it's basically the cut and dry. 
don't piss off your general manager and your fan base too much, mm. but you're giving them no information to go with whatsoever. And, you know, the fan fan vote is for Mr. Penso, but you know what? I kind of have to agree with you, Chuck. It really comes down to the personnel choices that are being made with this team. Because when you look at the team performance, it was pretty good, except for a couple pieces that were glaring mistakes in that game. Yeah, it was almost like you watched the game last week, fixed one problem, but forgot to fix the other one. It was mm-hmm. like, oh, we left Harris yeah. on. Let's put Graval. Okay, we got that one figured out. But let's not fix this other one. And and so I feel like that's that, for me, is frustrating. Is I think, it, once again, this week, we saw that the, the talent to compete in MLS is on the field. Like, we, ha- we have the talent. It's about putting the pieces together correctly that makes this team go. Um, and now, because of Chris Spencer, we have another challenge in doing that this week. Mm-hmm. But I think, like, we, I think the union in general, I mean, with the talent is on the field, and we can see that. But I think it's about putting it together. And I think that's on Jim every week to put it together in the right way. Fair enough. Um, yeah. I- I think the only the only well not the only but one of the one of the silver linings about playing Atlanta now is clearly Frank DeBoer is in that same mm-hmm. you know spot of all right uh, came in inherited you know the world uh, as far as MLS goes because I mean I you know obviously Pity Martinez is not Miguel Amiron but you know look at what Yosem Martinez can do in five minutes. Yeah, you know, all like kind of, all he kind of needs is the ball in the box. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and, and you're, you're pretty happen. okay, right? Um, and and I think I'd much rather play it. And I mean, they're going to see him again when it's later in the season. I'd much rather play Atlanta when you're in the the middle of a bad patch now. Um, yeah. than you know, midway through the season or at the end of the season, come in on like a two game losing streak or three game losing streak, and just get mopped by them. Or whatever. Yeah, it's just you don't want to be the team that Atlanta turns it around against. No, you really don't, and that's what I'm afraid of too. <laughs> I'm terrified about that. Yeah. But honestly, I think Frank DeBoer gets fired before Jim Curtin. Uh, yeah. Not the front door. I don't know if that's necessarily like a uh, one one manager's results are better than the other one. I think it's just going to be a patience thing. It, um, it's also Atlanta United supporters are screaming louder than Union supporters right now. Well, yeah, I think it's a it's a matter of loyalty too. I think you see that in other organizations that they are super loyal to a coach I mean, that doesn't get them far, um, but yeah. they're loyal to that coach. And I think like that is what we've seen to this point with Jim Curtin, and I'm not sure. Mm-hmm where Ernst Tanner fits on this scale, but like sure. to this point we've seen loyalty to Jim Curtin and his whatever. Um, so I think, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where that fits with that either, but I'm not sure it's a super bold prediction. I, th- I think Ernst Tanner has been very clear in what he thinks of Philadelphia loyalty in trading two of the prominent fan favorites on this team yes. in Keegan and CJ. And, and I feel and, like and kind he's... of a, a third in, in McCarthy as well. 
getting yeah. shut out. I mean, you know, these are all guys who you love to see them at the fan events. You mm-hmm. love to have them up and be part of your marketing campaign. And that's all super duper and a whole bunch of peaches in a basket. Get off my team if you can't play. Get out of this organization if you're not willing to win and do what it takes to win. So, yeah, I I disagree with you, Chuck, but, you know, I I see where you're coming from. I think, you know, you start 0-3, you know, you're kind of got some leniency in it. But if you're entering May, you're entering June, and you are just on the outskirts, not even close to looking in, Yeah. He's gone. That's the thing. I, I think he's I, gone. I think I, he's gone. I think DeBoer's gone by the end of May, and Curtin's, Curtin's probably gone by, by June. June. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> saying there's much of a difference. Game. That's fine. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. 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 Okay. My my uh, my I don't know my defense of Curtin uh, in a way is and and I know I know the answer uh, and I know where he coaches and it's very close to here. Uh, no, where can you find no, another not, under forty not, year old coach that knows again. that know how to play that knows how to play no. uh, kids like that? Uh, and it's well, no, it's Brendan Burke actually. I know exactly where you're going. I, yeah, um, I love Brendan Burke. I do too. I love him and I, in and his I also role. don't think that he should be the MLS coach. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Great. And I also <laughs> don't think that. Tanner would think he should be the MLS coach either. I I, I think if you I, I think so I think it's a lot harder to replace someone doing what he's doing what what Brendan's doing in USL right now than it is to replace someone that's doing what Jim's doing in MLS if that makes sense. Well, there's a, yeah, yeah, there's what's, there's plenty of other teams doing what we're doing. I say as of right now, what's Jim doing in MLS? Uh, coaching. Putting guys out there and making them feel good. Putting yeah. on a nice suit. It's true. He's dressed. He's, he is one of the best dressed coaches been in MLS. Very well dressed. Um. Anyway. On that note, uh, hey, the good news, guys, we're on uh, on the Spotify's and the iTunes and the Stitchers and the Google Podcast and all that stuff now, which is really Yay. exciting. Let's go. So, um, go to your favorite anywhere to consume podcast and look up views from the bridge, and we should be there. Um, you can also follow us at VFTB pod. If you want like a direct Twitter link to where you consume a podcast, you can also find us, uh, it's, uh, BGN.FM and we'll be up there. I think the actual website is what BGN.FM backslash VFTB pod or views from the bridge um, that I'm not v- terribly sure on VFTB dash Philadelphia. Oh yeah. That's a, that's a mess. Yeah, so it's, it's a long link. But not just terribly, look on Twitter. Uh, not it's... terribly user friendly. So what you can do anywhere you find podcasts, like if you're listening to this now and you found us, great, you're there. Hit the follow button on Spotify. Hit the subscribe button on iTunes. Uh, add to favorites on Stitcher. I think it is, which is a strange one, but go for it. Um, and like, totally feel free to give us feedback. I like a lot of the stuff that we saw from from the first week. Uh, I think we're up to like 50 followers on Twitter or something already, which is kind of crazy. Um, you know, it's we don't. Fifty. It's fifty more than I thought we'd have. It is fifty more than I thought we had. Yeah. So that's exciting. Um, yeah. Feel free to reach out and DM us and all that fun stuff. We don't bite. Promise. If you think we're wrong, we will take it in stride. It's fine. We're used to it. Uh, but other than that, for uh, for Paul Catrino Jr. or Cat Jr. as I promised to call him more frequently than I have. Aww. 
I I know, buddy. I know. Uh, for for Chuck Booth, for Justin Ashcraft, and for the ghost of Stone Cold Steve Austin, who comes on the podcast to open <laughs> Paul's beers. Rest in peace, Steve Austin. Um, I've been your host, Evan Valala, and uh, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Later. Cute.